0: And we
1: are Paranormal Chicks. Episode 85. And it's no longer Halloween. It's time to take down all the spooky decorations and put up all of your Thanksgiving ones.
0: Carrie's one of those people who celebrates Thanksgiving.
1: It's not so much celebrate. I just love fall. Fall is like, well, like New England fall. That's my heaven. Yeah. South Mississippi fall is basically summer with a couple of cold days. But I just love the colors and yeah. the, you know, like the sweaters and the fire pits and the, you know what I mean? I just fucking love it. And I got some new decorations at Joanne's for 80% off, so I'm ready to put them up. True that, true that.
0: We hope y'all had a happy Halloween. We hope you enjoyed the 31 nights of Halloween. We sure as hell did. Yeah, we really did. And we did some fun stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, and we talked to Liz motherfucking sour. That,
1: like, man, I don't know. Right. I don't even know what to say about it because it was that good.
0: I had Ladywood. (laughs) (laughs) Liz, if you're listening to this, I'm so sorry.
1: (laughs) Inappropriate party of one. (laughs) Huh. Well...
0: We have more guests on this inappropriate party.
1: Patreoners! Absolutely. So, welcome Lacey from Texas. Angie from Ohio. Kim A. from Illinois. Selena H. from Texas. Anything for Selena's. Perfect. Melissa B. from California. And Megan C. from Virginia. Thank y'all so much for joining Patreon. Disclaimer. If
0: you join Patreon during the month of October and right before it, we sent out thank you letters and mm. they all came back. So I had to go up to the post office and be like, hmm, got these stacks of like really Lisa Franked out shit, but like creepy shit on there. <laughs> and I'm like, what do I need to do? So they're being recent with extra
1: postage. Yeah, so if you haven't gotten your letter and you're like, um, I joined three weeks ago, uh, the mail's not that slow, where's my letter? Mm -hmm. That's why.
0: We are so sorry, and hopefully the
1: stickers and the goodies make up for it. Absolutely. And if you want a letter that's six weeks late, Mm -hmm. or you want to have your name shout out on an episode, or any of the extra content that they get on Patreon, head on over to patreon.com slash theapcpodcast.
0: Well, and I will say that we recorded something earlier in this intro Mm -hmm. that we're taking out and it's called an extra slice and everyone who is on Patreon, like the dollar up, get it and it's juicy. But I will say most of the extra slices are inappropriate. Oh, absolutely. So that's why they get cut and... Then we just share with y'all. Yeah, so maybe you don't want to be in the Creep naughty,
1: but we want you to. You hear all of our shit. Literally. literally. Another perk of Patreon is that you can be in a Snapchat group with us. Well, on Snapchat. And in the group, Meg recommended this murder to us. Well, to me, and then she told you something to do too. But anyway, and it's called the Little Miss murder. Mm, okay. And I was like, oh, what's this about? Okay, so I started doing a little little digging, and that's what we're going to do today.
0: Perfect, and it would have been even better had I done what she had recommended for me, but mm-hmm. ruin that. Womp
1: womp. Okay, picture it. 1988, and 18-year-old Lisa Marie Kimmel, who also went by the nickname Little Miss that her grandma had given her, had been working in Denver, Colorado. Well, she actually, she and her mother were both working in Denver, Colorado. But her family was still in Billings, Montana. And so she was like, her and her mom were going to go back home for a little bit just to see everybody. But her mom and her decided that they were going to travel separately going back home because Lisa Marie wanted to stop off in Cody, Wyoming, so that she could pick up her boyfriend, Ed. Because she and Ed were doing so great, and she wanted to introduce him to her family.
0: Oh, shit.
1: So Lisa Marie and her mom... Because again, it's 1988. There was no ways back then, so you had to actually have a map. And so she and her mom sat down because again, remember Lisa's 18 years old. You know Mm. she's she's just she's a baby, and so when it comes to yeah, when it comes to traveling by herself, I mean, I think back to when I was 18 and starting to travel, and you know what I mean. It's like Mm -hmm. you need guidance. So, they sat down with the roadmaps. They plotted out where she was going to go. So, her mom knew, like, her exact route because she helped her plan it. And Lisa Marie took her mom to the airport. They hugged each other, said goodbye. And that was the last time her mom saw Lisa Marie. Oh, gosh. So, she had a very distinct car. She was a very independent person. And... She went out and bought this car by herself. She didn't have anybody co with her. She didn't have to borrow money from anybody. She did the damn thing. And she got her a 1988 Honda CRX, which is like a, um, it was black. And it was, it's one of those like sporty cars, mm-hmm. you know. And remember, we're also in 1988. So it was like a brand new car. Yeah. Like she, like I said, she did the damn thing. And she had a personal license plate on it that like a vanity plate that said little miss because again that was a nickname that her grandma had given her so her boyfriend ed's house was basically her halfway point to get home so she was going to stop there they were going to spend the night and then they were going to do the last leg of the trip together well she should have been getting to ed's house on friday night well the next morning she wasn't there and so he called some highway patrol he called her parents to be like Like, where the fuck is she, you know? Well, but here's the thing, too, though, is that they don't know where she is. And so they don't know who to call, you know. So they call the highway patrol because that's, you know, where they can cover everything because they don't know what city or town or anything she's in, what county to call sheriff or a police department or what. And they they're told that she has to have been missing for 72 hours for them to report her missing. And for them to do anything about it.
0: But the first 48 is like the most important.
1: But it's 1988. Mm -hmm. And she's 18 years old. And so it's not, I mean, you know, think about when did the Amber Alert start? That was like early 2000s, I think. And so it's like, she's an 18-year-old girl. She can go missing if she wants to. Mm -hmm. You know, legally, she's an adult. She can do whatever she wants. And so it's like, well, you know. Yeah. So her parents start doing everything that they can do to find her. Her dad drives up and down, the because there's really three different ways that she could have taken once she hit, I think it was Casper, Wyoming. And so, her dad was driving up and down these highways, seeing if he could spot her car. Again, she had a very distinct car, you know, seeing if they could spot her car, seeing if they could find anything, asking people along the way. Her dad even... Chartered a helicopter to drive over it to see if they could find her, see her car, see something to lead them to her. Well, they also took it to the media. And they were like, look, she's missing. We can't, the police can't do anything because she's not missing. She hasn't been missing for 72 hours. Blah, 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 blah. Well, once the news breaks, they get a tip that... She had actually been stopped by a highway patrol officer like 60 miles south of Casper around 9 o'clock at night on Friday night for speeding. Mm. And it's pretty crazy because there's like audio recording of her getting pulled over. And because I watched an episode of On the Case with Paula Zahn on this. And then there's an Unsolved Mysteries wiki that I used and then Wikipedia because that's the best. But there's a... top three things that I used for my research on this well they actually played some of it from on the case with Paula's on and she just was so soft-spoken and okay so state law in Wyoming is that back back then I don't know if it's still the same thing but if you are from out of state and you get a ticket you have to pay the ticket like right then Like, to the officer, because they don't want you to leave and not come back and pay your fine. So, on the little recording, she's, like, asking how much it is, and it's, like, $120, and she doesn't have that much cash. But then I'm like, damn, that can lead to some shady shit, though. If you're paying these officers cash for your fines, like, I'm sure that there are, like, 99% of the officers aren't shady as shit and taking your cash and never writing, you know, like never writing the ticket. But you know that there are some that they're a little short on cash that week. They don't actually write you the ticket, but they just take your cash. So I was when I was watching that, I was like, oh, that's shady. That's shady as shit. Anyway, Mm -hmm. so if you can't pay the ticket, they're supposed to take you to jail. And so, on the little recording, he was like, I really should be taking you to jail right now, but I'm going to let you go with this warning, you know, and then you pay the ticket, like, when you get home kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And she gave her dad's address. Like, she had all all intentions of paying it. But also, I'm like, okay, if her ticket was $120 and she didn't have that money, like, you're going to take her last little bit of money? How is she supposed to get gas and stuff like that down the road if she needs it? So... She gets back in her car and goes on her way. And the, the they interviewed that police officer and they were like, he said that he just could not take this like sweet, innocent girl to jail because he was like, I just felt so sorry for her. I could not take her to jail. I just had to let her go and let her pay it. So the last time she was seen, for sure, for sure, was about, six, like I said, 60 miles south of Casper at 9 o'clock on Friday night. Well, about a week later, this was April 2nd of 1988, well, there was a mechanic, his name was Greg Bradford, doesn't really matter, but this poor guy was just walking along a river in Casper, Wyoming, the North Platte River, and he sees a partially nude body in the water, and it was Lisa Marie's body. Bless it. Well... It was, again, Wyoming. It's only in April, so it's still cold. There weren't a lot of signs of decomposition. And so the autopsy was pretty... They were able to get a lot of information from it. And so now they have a location. You know, they know that she... Her body was found in Casper. They know that the last time she was seen was about 60 miles from Casper, you know, when she got pulled over. So they're kind of starting to get a timeline. The police are kind of are starting to, you know, search cuz now they know okay, this is where her body was found, so they go upstream to see where she may have entered the water. And there was a bridge about a quarter mile away, and that bridge had a lot of Lisa's blood. And so the police are like, okay, this is not a very common bridge. It's not easily accessible. Most people don't use it. So they're like whoever did it is probably a local. People who lived along the bridge said that they had seen a car there early on Saturday morning of March 26th. And she, you know, the last time she had been seen was March 25th. But the police are still like, but where's her car? You know, like they don't know really and truly from where she went missing because they can't find her car. You know, so it could have been, she could have gone missing 60 miles back and then they came and dumped her. You know, you don't know because there's just not a lot of evidence.
0: Yeah. Yeah. God, that's, that shit's so frustrating. I know.
1: Well, because it's like, because really it is. It's like, how do you solve these stranger-on-stranger murders that there's literally nothing to go on? Especially in 1988.
0: When you said stranger-on-stranger crime, all I thought about was Israel Keys. Yes. And it's like, that really is so scary. And that's what made him so scary.
1: Because... Especially with him, how he left, like, the kill kits and stuff mm-hmm. in other places. Because it's just so fucking random. Yeah. It's just wherever he, the wind takes him, you know? hmm Well, and even, like, on SVU
0: or Criminal Minds or any of that, I, I know you hate it. But, like, I try to figure out who the killer is and all of this. And it pisses me off when it is some third, like, he was a character that was walking behind the scenes mm-hmm. in one thing. And I'm like, why? That's so random. And there was no, like, context clues or any of that. But that's real life. That Right. It's just so random. Yeah. And it doesn't always have ties back to whatever, you know, like, I'm like, oh, no, it was a dad because, you know, like, he looked at her this way. And then he said these words. And then, you know, right. Like, All
1: of that. It's not murder, she wrote. It's real life. Yeah. I mean, because sometimes she gets me too. But usually, you'll not, you can figure it out because you're like, oh, such and such talked to such and such this Mm -hmm. certain way. And they made, they said this one thing that stuck out, but it's not, it doesn't wrap up in a bow like that. Some stuff calls her Lisa, some stuff calls her Lisa Marie. So forgive me if I bounce back and forth. But because her body was found in the North Platte River, Her case went to the Natrona County Sheriff's Department in Wyoming.
0: All I can think about is Longmire. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, "Mm, break me off a piece of that sexy older
1: man. Well, this sheriff is nothing like him. Mm. So the sheriff for Natrona County, his name was Ron Ketchum. And Diddy Ketchum usually. Mm -mm. And, you know, this was like the biggest murder case they had ever had. So this case is taken priority, right? It is like a small sheriff's department. They've got two detectives working around the clock on it. And they're literally putting everything they have into figuring this case out. Well, they just don't have the resources or the manpower to be able to solve this on their own. So what happens usually in a smaller town when there's a big murder case, they bring in The government, they bring in the federal government or they bring in the state investigators so that they can use these bigger resources. The assistant attorney general of Wyoming was like, hey, you need to bring in the feds. Let them help you. The Kimmels, her family, they were asking, please bring in help. Like, you'll need help to solve this. The lead detectives were like, we need help to solve this. But old Sheriff Ketchum was like, nope, not going to do it. This is our case.
0: Fuck you, dude. Fuck you.
1: Fuck you and you, you know, like, want to win a fucking pissing contest with the federal fucking government Mm -hmm. so that you get, what, so you get credit for all this? I don't know. But either way, like, come on. So a battle ensues. Her parents are like, let them come in and help. You need the help. And the sheriff is like, if you keep pursuing this, I'm going to arrest you for obstruction. I'm going to put you in jail. Lisa Marie is the victim, not you back off. Whoa. You Are you, are you seriously going to tell a victim's family? Whoa. You're not the victims. Are you fucking kidding me? You're going to threaten to put them in jail because they're, they want you to get help. Uh-uh. mm Uh-uh. Well, eventually the Kimmel's won. And in July of 1989, a full 15 months after she had gone missing, finally, an investigator from the ATF, which is the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms, it's a federal agency in the States, one of their investigators, one of their agents was able to come in and help. And on the episode of On the Case with Paula Zahn, Don Flickinger is his name, and he talks a lot about how, you know, the The lead investigators were very welcoming to him. Like, they got along great. They were supportive of one another. But that he had called the sheriff, like, multiple times to reach out and be like, look, I'm here to help. I'm here to offer resources. I am not trying to take your case over. Just use me as a resource. And the sheriff never called him back.
0: What a fucking bastard.
1: I know. I know. Well, the ATF agent, Don, You know, he's looking at the autopsy results and all that. And it showed that she had been severely beaten. She had been restrained and raped repeatedly before she was hit over the head and stabbed six times. And based on the blood on the bridge, she was killed on that bridge. And they say, according to the autopsy, the blunt force trauma was enough to kill her. Like the stabbing was just overkill. The autopsy also showed that they believed that she had been kept for at least six days. I
0: mean, what else could have happened?
1: I I mean, well, a lot. I watch Criminal Minds. (laughs) True.
0: But it's like she had the whole fucking kitchen sink thrown at her. You know what I mean? Like, everything.
1: Well, and two, the restraints that were used weren't on her. They had been taken off when her body was dumped. So, you know, the ATF agent is like, hmm... Well, that was smart, so this is clearly a little more organized and a little, you know, like it's Mm -hmm. not as frenzied as you might think from that kind of stranger killing.
0: Yeah, it was more methodical.
1: Exactly. One thing that the ATF agent did was he was like, okay, wait, there's some, like, DNA on her from the rape and all. Um, Let's keep that and let's start taking some blood samples, which I felt like was pretty... Ahead of the times for what he... Because this was like, you know, 1989, 1990. like Like, when I was watching that, I was like, was DNA already a thing then? But I guess, I mean, that's the perk of bringing in fucking the ATF. They have technology that this small sheriff's department wouldn't have had. So, they actually, like, called him the vampire because he got blood from so many people to compare it to. And so, of course, the first person they check is her boyfriend... And he's not a match. And then they start checking everybody. They even get DNA from the police officer that had stopped her before because let's rule him out. Like, he's the last one to see her alive. But then it was weird that he let her, not weird, but it was like, he even said in the recording, like, this is very unusual that I'm letting you go. You should be going to jail right now. Slow your ass down kind of thing. Yeah. So they got his DNA. He was cleared. You know, they're just getting DNA from everyone who is a potential suspect. So they're investigating, investigating, investigating all these different leads, taking them to all these different states because it's like, oh, we spotted her car here or there. All the things. They finally called a break. Her parents had been on the news. And right after it aired, they got a call from a witness that said on the night of March 25th, they had seen a small black car. With a woman that was driving it. Was pulled over on the side of the road. And she was pulled over by a Natrona sheriff's car. And the witness said that in the car, they recognized that it was Sheriff Ketchum that had her pulled over. Caught him. Plot twists. So you mean to tell me that the guy who didn't want to bring in the fucking feds to help solve this case pulled her fucking over? Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the ATF agent, of course, is like, um, skirt, you said what? And so they ask Ketchum about it, and he's like, I didn't even work that night. Like, what the fuck are you talking about? Well, they do some digging on some call logs and stuff, and uh, he, in fact, was working that night. Wow. And so they're like, mm-hmm, you weren't working that night, you said, but here's call logs from dispatch that... You were working. And we have an eyewitness that puts you pulling her over. This poor girl can't catch a break. She got pulled over fucking twice.
0: Oh, my gosh. Was she listening to Taylor Swift? Because that's when I got pulled over. <laughs> <laughs> that damn All Too Well song, it gets me crunk.
1: That All Too Well song is like. It wasn't
0: All Too Well. I'll it, tell you that. It's
1: one of my favorites of hers by all time. For, uh, by all time? Of all time.
0: For real. It wasn't when I was like, ooh. I mean, I was feeling it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I, my pocketbook. Who says pocketbook? But my purse strings. Who says that? <laughs> no one. <laughs> but my money was feeling it, too. Good God. I don't know. I mean,
1: you could have said my wallet, but. Who has a wallet? My bank account. Damn. <laughs> okay. So, the eyewitness said they even noticed, like, that her vanity plate said Little Miss. So, like, it was fucking her. They confront the sheriff with this, with these allegations and with the fact, like, you said you weren't here, but you were, so what's up? And he flew off the fucking handle. Mm. Refused to give blood for a DNA mm. sample. Refused to participate at all. Was like, you're fucking off your rocker. I didn't do this. Storm out all the drama. Mm-hmm.
0: You don't look guilty at all, Ketchum. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, here's the thing, too, is that, you know none of the law enforcement officers would really talk about it to like out in the open, but they would tell the ATF agent on the side, like, no, you should probably really look into him. Like there's some other reports that he stopped women on like desolate country roads. There was even one woman who said that she moved out of the state because again, she had gotten pulled over on this desolate country road. And then not long after that, Ketchum actually showed up at her house.
0: What? In,
1: her like, her new house in Missouri after she moved out of state. So, mm-hmm. like, there's just, he's just, he's just a, not a good dude. Well, then he's refused to, to submit a blood sample, all the things, and we're hitting the two-year anniversary of Lisa's disappearance. And guess what? What? Chicken butt? No. Ketchum attempts suicide.
0: What in the Ariel Castro is going on?
1: <laughs> he tried to overdose on drugs, came back to work like three weeks later, was treated for depression and all that. And so they're just like, okay, the timing of this suicide is so fucked up. Mm-hmm. The, the fact that he said he wasn't working when he was. We've got a witness saying he was the last one to see her. He wouldn't give us blood. He lost his shit, you know. But eventually, he did finally submit a DNA test. Oh, okay. And it wasn't him. skirt Mm -hmm. i'm sorry. to catch him yep fuck and just kind of like a sad aside in may of 2000 he actually did die by suicide
0: oh gosh
1: um he drove out to this remote area in casper and shot himself Mm. lisa's case was actually featured on unsolved mysteries just like a year after her body was found and so the police are kind of like where do we go to now You know, we can't find her fucking car. That's the key to this. We've got to find her car. If we could find the car, we'd figure this out, right? They're just getting all these tips at this point that none of them are helpful because it's all these eyewitness, oh, I saw her car here, here, here in this other state. And so they're just doing all this jet setting, checking out all these leads, and it's just burning resources, and it's they're not good leads. They even brought in two sisters that were psychics to the scene and while they actually knew details of the crime that had never been released, there was nothing that they had that they could offer about help, find, you know, finding who did it and all of that stuff. But yeah. they did know things about her wounds and, you know, that kind of thing that had never been released. They did say that they had images of a rural setting, something about the number two, and that they felt like something had been buried. Well, in the United States. Federal agents have a mandatory retirement at age 65. Mm. So Flickinger, the ATF agent, had reached his mandatory retirement age. And so he retired. One of the lead investigators from the Sheriff's Department retired. And he was like, you know, he told the other investigator, he was like, before I die, I want you to come call me and tell me who did this. Wow. Wow. Uh, no fucking pressure. You couldn't figure it out, but uh, right, yeah. Well, in two thousand two, the states had really started putting in all of their DNA profiles into CODIS, which is here. It's the Combined DNA Index System, and so when someone is arrested for certain crimes. They automatically get their DNA swabbed and it gets put in CODIS so that if they've done a crime somewhere else, people can submit it. And then, you know, that's how they link all the stuff. Everyone who listens to true crime podcasts is like, thank you, Captain Obvious. But, you know, we could have some people here listening just because they like paranormal stuff. They may not be into true crime. So, well, okay. Back to 2002. Wyoming is just really starting to submit some of their stuff to be for comparison and – Lisa's was one of the one of the first DNA profiles that they submitted in from her case. The unknown DNA sample they had, when they ran it through CODIS, they got a fucking match. Oh fuck. And it was to a guy by the name of Dale Wayne Eaton. He was 57 at the time from Wyoming, and he was serving time in jail, well, in federal prison at Inglewood. Because he had been arrested on weapons charges, well, his DNA profile had actually been in since 1997, because he had been arrested for there was apparently there was a family that was like stopped on the side of the road and he like pulled over to quote help them. The Breeden family was their name. He ended up kidnapping them at gunpoint. What? Yes, and. Once they, like, found him, he had the weapon, and so it elevated it to a federal crime, which is why his DNA was submitted. So, Eaton lived on this huge piece of property that his grandfather had given him. And on the property, he lived in, like, basically a shack that was also attached to, like, a 1950s school bus. And that's where he lived. He had no fucking running water so he would have to go like 20 miles to this rest stop to get water to bring it back to his wow. house. Wow, not the life for me, not no, the no, life absolutely not. For me. No, filtered water is what mm-hmm. I want and need because mm-hmm. I am first world problems, a spoiled brat. Same,
0: I mean, Marley drinks filtered water.
1: Um, Bo doesn't, I don't do a-
0: well because her beard uh gets
1: discolored, yeah, okay. The other thing, too, is that his next-door neighbors said that they had seen him digging like this huge hole on his property. And again, his property is only about an hour from where Lisa Marie Kimmel was last seen. Wow. So they have his DNA. They also have an inmate that says that he had confessed. In his confession to the inmate, he had said that she had offered to give him a ride and when he tried to hook up with her, and she was like, absolutely not, she pulled over and let him out, and then he kidnapped, raped, and murdered her. Wow. Fuck so, you, dude. Fuck you. Yeah. So the police get a search warrant for his house, and they notice a bunch of places that looked like the, the soil had been like unearthed, mm-hmm. and things had been buried. And so they start digging, and in one spot about... Six or eight feet down, they find her black Honda CRX still had the Little Miss license plate on it. Oh, my gosh. How in the actual fuck did this man dig a hole big enough and deep enough and get that fucking car in there buried? Well, you know,
0: someone actually has a school bus out by my house that's buried. And that's their storm shelter. Mm
1: Mm-hmm. I mean, I know people that have, like, an 18-wheeler trailer buried, and that's their, like, storm shelter apocalypse happening shelter. Mm-hmm. But, how the fuck did this guy do it? Right. Like, he ain't got running water. Yeah. Does he have, like, a, a backhoe or some shit? I, like, because literally, all I picture him is out there with a shovel, digging yeah. this fucking eight-foot hole. Like, oh, my God. Like, how, like, how did he do it? You know what I mean? mm I don't know. I don't know.
0: Also, that reminds me of the opening credits of Fried Green Tomatoes when they find Frank Bennett's car. Yes, and and they pull it out. out.
1: That's kind of what it looked like. Oh, my god! Legitimately kind of what it looked like. So he went to trial. He was charged with first-degree premeditated murder, aggravated kidnapping, aggravated robbery, first-degree sexual assault, and second-degree sexual assault. So what they think happened was – The rest stop that he goes 20 miles to to get his water, they think that that is where she stopped to maybe, like, look at her map, figure out, you know, where she was going. And while she's sitting at that rest stop, he comes up to her car, shit goes south, and he kills her.
0: And it's like she's doing exactly what she's supposed to do, like, stop at a rest stop, not, like, just on the side of the road. Mm And do you know what I mean? I know. Like, I know.
1: So when he went to trial, you know, it's it's, it's crazy because his defense team didn't deny basically that he killed her. They just said like, yeah, but he had a really bad childhood. So mm-hmm. maybe not the death penalty. And so I think the trial lasted just over a week. And then the jury deliberated for two days. They ended up finding him guilty in 2004 and sentencing him to death. There was a couple of like appeals and back and forth. But as of right now, he is the only inmate on Wyoming's death row. Whoa. Yeah. And so her parents got, as part of like the restitution and stuff, Her parents were awarded his fucking dwelling, for lack of a better word, because it's not a house, Mm. and his property. And what they did was they, like, donated the building to the local fire department so they could practice. Mm -hmm. And so they burned it all down. And they got to sit there and watch where their daughter was held captive in this disgusting, no running water, no electricity, no nothing Mm-hmm. Dirty, and you know, and he was like a hoarder with stuff he would uh. buy. Like, you know, he just is exactly what you think of when you think of like a junky, desolate kind of mm-hmm. house, you know? Yeah. And they got to watch it all burn to the fucking ground. And two more little things I want to talk about. One is that they were thinking that maybe he's actually a serial killer because. It just was too good of a kill for it to be his first one. Yeah. You know, it was somebody random, found her potentially at the rest stop, you know, took her somewhere, kept her captive, and then took her to the bridge, killed her on the bridge, and, you know, dumped her body, but also didn't have, like, took the restraints and all that off of her that could be identifying factors on her, you know, like, to help them forensically tie it to him. Yeah. There's not a lot of proof, but it is thought that maybe he's a serial killer the other thing that I really really love is that her parents because Eaton had a sister and Lisa Marie's parents and his sister met and became friends and they travel now like together talking about the families of people who have committed these horrific crimes and how they are victims as well, which, wow. you know, is like one of my big things Yeah, that, you know, cause his sister and her, her husband living their best life, like doing their thing, who knew, you know, like they had no, mm-hmm. they're not part of this and they shouldn't be treated the same way that he is just because they're related because right. they are victims too. Their lives are never the same either. Is it the same as a mom who lost her daughter? Absolutely not. But they're victims as well. And I think it's really cool that they do that together. Yeah. So that's the story of the Little Miss murder. I am so glad this had an ending. I know. I know. Especially because, again, those stranger-on-stranger crimes are just so hard. Yes. And, you know, Lisa had two younger sisters. And one of the younger sisters said... I'm just so glad that he dumped her body and didn't bury her body in the car because mm-hmm. we would have never found her. That's so true. Never, because if you think about it, tr- I mean, truly, if he would have buried her with the car, they would have never gotten his DNA off of her body to run in CODIS to find him to even know what property to go search. They would have never found her. Mm. And you know, it's crazy when you think of like how to get away with murder. It's like dump all the identifying evidence, but, like, also not in the same spot. You know, because you don't yes. want to put her with her vehicle, with her, you know. Because it's like, idiot. He, he left, like, the VIN number and the mm-hmm. car tag and all that on there, but he did do it in separate places, and he did get caught. You know what I mean? So it's like, there's really no perfect murder. Because it's like, you know, he kind of spread the evidence out, so you, you couldn't be like, jackpot, found all the evidence right here in this car. You know? Mm-hmm. But... That's what led them to find the rest of the evidence, but in this case, had he buried it all, they probably would have never found her unless it came a fucking gully washer and you know washed off eight feet of fucking dirt. Mm. They'd never found her. Wow, I know such a good story. Like you know what I mean by good, interesting, and intriguing, and thought provoking. And yeah, but her parents just have really used this for, as you know to be advocates and were advocates the whole time for her and looking for her and making that sheriff's department do what it was supposed to do in spite of its leadership because all of the other investigators and deputies and all that were on their side. They were like, I don't know why the sheriff's doing this, you know? Mm-hmm. And and then, so it also just shows like how easily an investigation can be derailed because of one person, you mm-hmm. know? So that's my story.
0: And you're sticking
1: to it. Mm-hmm.
0: All right, doing something a little different this week.
1: Oh, shit. I'm here for it. (laughs) Well,
0: I'm, mm, I'm like dipping my toes into your pond.
1: This bitch always up in my pond. Now all of a sudden she likes men in uniform. Now all of a sudden she likes big guys. Now all of a sudden she likes tall big guys. Now all of a sudden. Just kidding. I mean, I'm not, but I am.
0: Okay, one, I've always been a badge bunny yes okay is that not a uniform
1: yeah yes but mm-hmm. you're dipping your toe in other uniforms <laughs> get your toe out my pod <laughs> mm, my. get your little piggy out of <laughs> this little piggy gets out of carrie's pod <laughs> <laughs> oh my god
0: this little piggy goes wee 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 all the way Mm-hmm. I was going to the cop car, but whatever. <laughs> wee wee wee! Thank you for getting where <laughs> I was
1: going. <laughs> that took me way, way too, too long. long. Everybody is like, "Carrie." <laughs> <laughs> Oops. Okay.
0: Picture it, January second, nineteen thirty-five, Kansas City. And it was actually 1.20 p.m. to be exact. So there was this sharp-dressed man. He checks into a hotel in downtown Kansas City. And he's almost like an extra-large pizza, but more stocky than anything. He had a cauliflower ear like boxers and Mm -hmm. MMA fighters get. And he had a large white horizontal scar on the left side of his head. Which he can kind of cover with his hair and stuff, but mm-hmm. so I mean like he's obviously well not obviously, but he looks like he's a fighter or something. Like a
1: badass dude. A badass
0: honka dude. Exactly. Well, the hotel is the president hotel. Very shishy. hmm And he checked in under the name Roland T. Owen and he gave Los Angeles as his hometown. Because this is 1935, so, like, it's so crazy to think about, like, how, you know, they would check in mm-hmm. there and, like, sure, I'm sure they would have to send something back. And so his address was, mm-hmm. what, you know what I mean? It's so, And there's no
1: way to check it. Like, right? you, you just have to take them at face value.
0: Yeah. He had absolutely no luggage. He asked for an interior room on a high floor of the hotel. Oddly specific. Or he just was, you know, scared of heights. But
1: he wanted a tall room.
0: Because usually they're, like, better. Because usually, like, suites are up higher mm-hmm. and stuff. So maybe that was it. But he was like, I don't want to be by the window.
1: Maybe. I don't know. Maybe. I- maybe he didn't want a window. Maybe he wanted to sleep really good and he wanted it to be pitch black. Like, on a cruise. Best fucking sleep. True that.
0: The hotel staff were like, he was a little odd. And then, like... No luggage and all of this. But he checked in for one day. So they're like, I mean, hey, you know what? We rent rooms for a lot of businessmen, a Mm -hmm. lot of travelers who stop in on their way to wherever they're going. And they want a little company that night. So like, hey, you know what? Don't ask. Don't tell. You do you. Just, you know, pay
1: and what Mm -hmm. else. So maybe not that she she of a hotel.
0: Yeah, like I mean but it wasn't bad. I mean wasn't it wasn't down- like a seedy hotel. Yeah, it was downtown and stuff, but like and they didn't do it by the hour. Yeah. It was you know, I mean like Richard Gere might have stayed there with uh mm-hmm. Julia Roberts. So he gets to his room and it's ten forty six, so obviously on the tenth floor. Mm-hmm. And he was shown by the bellboy, which he had no luggage. But I guess like, turn left here, turn right here, like Maybe whatever. Maybe it was very shishi. Maybe, Maybe it wrong. was. Maybe I don't know. But the bellboy said that Roland complained to him because he was like, you know what? I stayed at this other hotel one time, and then they they were trying to like charge me this outrageous amount, so I didn't stay there anymore. And you know, like all of this stuff. Like he was kind of complaining. Like, he's been around this area for a little bit. And so he's like, cool, cool. Like, dude's a jackass. Probably not going to tip me. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? And where's your fucking luggage? And why am I up here if you don't have any luggage? Right. Well, Bellboy shows him to his room. He watches Roland and he has like an over black overcoat on. He took out a
1: black comb and toothpaste.
0: From his pockets.
1: I mean, he was just going to use his finger. What was he going to brush his teeth with? Just his finger and toothpaste? You know? You don't know.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Maybe. But yeah, that was it. And so it's like, okay, you have no luggage and the most weird combination, like you said,
1: of shit. I mean, at least have a clean pair of underwear in your jacket or something. Right?
0: After he was shown his room, the bellboy was like, all right, peace. He was like, actually... I'm going to ride down with you on the elevator.
1: He's like, now that I dropped off all my luggage, (laughs) I'm going to come back down with you. (laughs) It was really weighing me down. That was so fucking heavy. So then he
0: leaves the hotel and then like the hotel staff said, you know, they would see him at various times, very like sporadically, which I learned from what movie Carrie?
1: Oh, uh, clueless. Yes. Hope not sporadically. (laughs) R.I.P. girl.
0: R.I.P. Around two p.m., the hotel maid knocks on the door for room ten forty-six.
1: So he's only been there an hour, and he's just been bebopping all over the hotel.
0: No, I think that's because he actually stays longer than a day that he had originally planned. So I think, I think that's just on his overall stay. Gotcha. So an hour in, the housekeeping's already coming by. Well, because apparently, like. He wasn't supposed to be there. I think he was really supposed to be at that other one. And then they, like, dicked him around on the price. So he was like, fuck this shit and just went here. But she was doing her afternoon rounds. And there was a lady that was staying in that room before. Okay. And so, like, she was going in, like, thinking it was the same person, too. Okay. And, nope, when she knocked on the door, it was a man's voice that told her to come in. Mm-hmm. And she said that when she went inside, it was really just dim in there. There was only a light from a lamp that was on the writing desk, which it's so weird that like they still have like a writing desk and stuff in most hotels. But I guess because people are on business. What the fuck? I never go on business, so I I was like,
1: um, that's not weird.
0: No, it's not. (laughs) (laughs) Hmm. And she said, like, the blinds were tightly drawn. And she was like, all right, this is kind of weird. Like, I guess because it's two in the afternoon and it's fucking, you know, looking like it's a seedy nightclub up in there where it's like
1: all dim and whatevs. Meanwhile, maybe he works a fucking night shift and he's <laughs> sleeping. And that's why he wanted an interior room. And why it got blinds if it's an interior room? So what I think with this is like it's a courtyard
0: view or something. Oh. You know what I mean? Like. I think Um, uh, I don't know okay or where you know like if it's an open square like Mm -hmm. there's no windows to to the outside outside yeah so she goes about her business changing the used towels doing all the things and he again brought up the high price of that other hotel and he just kind of like asking her about what she like what her work entailed all you know like Mm -hmm. just kind of Weird. She just got a weird vibe from him too, though. Like, I don't know, awkward. And later she was interviewed and she said that he was either worried about something or afraid. And he always wanted to kind of keep in the dark. So then after she left, she returned at four with clean towels. Like, so she, because at this time, I guess they just didn't have enough towels that she could like dirty up in here, clean now. Mm -hmm. You know, so it's like. Got to go down, wash them, bring them back up. I don't know.
1: That sounds terrible.
0: Cue Charlie's mom. Cheer up, Charlie.
1: Right? Oh, that's the worst song of oh, the whole God.
0: movie. Worst song, and it grosses me out that that's how they wash their clothes. I don't know why. It's like I
1: could smell Yuck. the like detergent. There are some jobs on this earth that I'm just so thankful that there are people that do them. Yes, and I mean, there are people who can't do what I do, you know. Yeah. But but that's what makes the world go round, Avi, that some people can do some things that other people can't. I mean, you have yeah. your strengths. But, like, this girl, I am not made to work outside. mm My body revolts. I can remember being a kid and throwing up at softball practice because it was too hot. Like, I, I can, I'm just not cut out for outside work. Me either. So, she
0: returns back up to his room about 4 p.m., with the clean towels. And I did forget to tell you that when she was leaving, he's like, Leave the door unlocked because I'm expecting someone later. Which I mean, obviously at this time they didn't have a key card, mm-hmm. but it was kind of like you know, I think it was an I Survived I did where she was kidnapped and he like locked the locked it from the outside mm-hmm. and she could not get out internally. Do you remember that? Mm-mm. Okay. So he told her, "You know, leave the door unlocked. I'm expecting someone." And so she's like, "Aye, Captain." So she goes back, you know, up there, knocks, but doesn't get an answer, tries the door. It is unlocked. So she's like, "You know what? I'm just gonna go in there, put the fresh towels in, and be on my merry way, like don't have to answer his twenty questions again. But when she goes in, the room's dark like it was, however, Roland was asleep on the bed, fully clothed, but on the writing desk was a node. And like she said, it was, she could read it from the hallway light, you know? Mm-hmm. And it said, Don, I'll be back in 15 minutes. Wait. She's like, well, that's weird. But like, you know, I mean, cool. He might have just, he was expecting someone, whatever. I mean, it's not like he wrote that and then like went to sleep. He... Could have been whenever. Right. Well, the next morning, which is January the 4th, around 1030, Mary, the housekeeper, she was like, all right, you know, going on her rounds like normal. When she reaches 1046, she's like, oh, the doors are locked, you know, and she's now just used to it being open because he was so like adamant about leaving it open. So she is like, he, mu- he must have checked out. You know, like, whatever. Cool. She uses the pass key to get in. And nope. He's there again in the dark. You know, like, blinds, everything. But he's sitting by the phone inside. Like, it sounds like something I would fucking do. <laughs> you know what I mean? Be Because like, I'm creepy as fuck sometimes. <laughs> yes, you are. And I'm like... I'm just waiting for a phone call, you know, but, like, in my head, got to be right here, got to do this, like, not going to have the TV on because, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, it's like, I get it. Look, I get it. My brain works weird, but it, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, she goes in, she's cleaning the room, doing her stuff, goes to get the dirty towels, and just then, the phone rings. So, she hears Roland pick up, obviously, And he says, no, Don. I don't want to eat. I'm not hungry. I just had breakfast. No, I am not hungry. Is this not us? (laughs) Well, I mean, we're always hungry, but that's, you know what I mean? Like, that's so, like, having to repeat yourself. Like, Mm -hmm. no, I'm not hungry.
1: Meanwhile, though, I went straight to, what's that code for? True.
0: Well, after that exchange... Roland hung up the phone, and Mary's like, you know, even though that that call was super short, like, tension was fucking there. Like, he, mm-hmm. like, Roland was not fucking hungry. <laughs> he had had breakfast. mm mm-hmm. Don was hungry. Mm-hmm. Don could always fucking eat. <laughs> so, once she's done getting the dirty towels, cleaning his room, she's like, all right, peace till four, you know? hmm Well, it's four o'clock, so she comes, but she's like... Hmm. She like puts her ear to the door because she's like, I hear an I hear more voices in there, and so she heard a second guy in there. I bet it was Don. <laughs> well, the world may never know. Oh, but she knocks on the door and a man. But she said he had a gruff voice, not like Roland's, and he's like, "Who is it?" And so she's like, "Housekeeping." You know, Mm -hmm. she's like, have fresh towels, you know, here to drop off. And the next thing she hears is, we don't need any. Oh, well, this mother humpa, how you know? Mm Mm-hmm. But she's like, "Mm, I know you need fresh towels because I picked them up today Mm -hmm. and you got none. Son. (laughs) But she's like, okay. Like, y'all do you. Okay. So we're going to leave them to do their business but at 6 p.m that evening so two hours later jean owen who's not related to roland checked in and she had been shopping downtown but it was like you know i mean she's me she was like nauseous and stuff so she probably got over fucking heated Mm -hmm. and was like needed water mm -hmm. didn't need enough yes so she's or ate too much like i cannot drive home so i'm just gonna check into a hotel I love a fucking hotel. Mm-hmm. Well, she got checked in at 1048. So, right next to Roland's room. At 650, she called her boyfriend Joe. So, you know, she had to go uh, freshen up. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she's like, hey, look, I'm staying over at a hotel. What Whatevs. So, he came over about 9 o'clock. Stayed for a few hours and then left. So, now it's like a serendipitous kind of... Moment, I, maybe not serendipitous, maybe it's like, did you ever see that movie, Sliding Doors, uh-uh. with Gwyneth Paltrow? Okay, never mind. But, so, Roland's checked in here mm-hmm. with the mysterious guy who doesn't need towels. Jean checked in, now with her boyfriend, everything. Well, he's leaving now, and while he's leaving, he kind of crossed paths, but, you know, like, we really don't know, but it's like, same time. hmm This guy, Robert Lane, was leaving work at the water department. Again, like 11 p.m., which,
1: damn, son. What water department is open at 11 p.m.? I don't know. Maybe he's like maintenance. Or maybe he was like, they were skimming some shit off the top. He was like Mm. a forensic accountant. True, true. Really digging through the books, working late, trying to figure out where the money went. Well, you said skimming things off the top.
0: I literally went to the gross thing where like they were like filtering Out of the water shit.
1: This is is not Flint, Michigan.
0: (laughs) Well, apparently I thought so. (laughs) And then I was like, oh, okay. Illegal shit. Okay, cool, cool. So he's leaving, going home, you know, like, long day, blah, blah, blah. Well, when he pulled on to 13th Street, he said he noticed this man that was kind of like running along the sidewalk. But He wasn't dressed for the time. Like, it's, like, 33 degrees, you know? And he basically had on pajamas, so, like, shoes and undershirt and some, like, stretchy pants, basically. You know what I mean? Not, like, slacks or, like, wool stuff. Because it's fucking cold. Athleisure. Yes. In 1935 version.
1: All I picture is those old school women's bathing suits that were, like fucking like a romper yes when
0: he got closer the guy you know like kind of threw his hand out to be like taxi well lane pulled over to be like what's going on because he didn't know like he thought he was just flagging him down Mm -hmm. like oh shit this guy's out here probably freezing to death like what happened yeah so he pulls over and the man just gets into the back seat of his car and so Robert's like, uh, not a taxi dude. Yeah. yeah. And he's like, oh shit, like, thought you were one, but can you take me to where the taxis are then? And Robert being a good guy, he's like, Yeah, 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 I'll do that for you. And so he he did what we all hate. He's like, you look like you have had it. You know, like mm-hmm. fuck you. But so, he said, like, while he said that, and I'm like, you really are a taxi driver. hmm Well, the guy he picked up, he's just kind of looking out the window, and he's like, I'm going to kill that expletive tomorrow. Like, just kind of mumbling it, like, I'm going to kill that motherfucker I was going to say,
1: you can't say the word?
0: Well, the newspaper that, like, reported this incident, they, like, hyphenated it out. Yeah. You know? And so, like. We don't know what he said.
1: Well, how many letters was it? Let's figure it out. It. I don't
0: know. Fuck. Oh, I don't know. I don't know if they were even like that. It might have just been like one hyphen. I don't know.
1: Mm. I'm like now you don't cuss. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Robert drove him up to where the cabs are and stuff. He jumped out and was like, "Taxi, taxi!" Mm-hmm. And like basically just like that, he was gone. You know, like yeah, okay, like. Fucking random, but whatevs. Well, cut back to the president hotel, and again, it's like around eleven. All of this is happening, and Jean is like, "What the fuck is going on next door?" She was later quoted as saying, I heard a lot of noise, which sounded like it was on the same floor and consisted largely of men and women talking very loudly and cursing. When the noise continued, I was about to call the desk, but decided not to. So sometime around one to three, there's this lady who enters and they all kind of know her because she is what they call a commercial lady. Mm. You know? hmm And so, whatevs. But he takes her up to the 10th floor. And maybe the bellhop just has to do the elevator or something. I don't know why, you know? But, like, so he takes her up. And she's like, all right, in 1026, like, I'm going there. And so he shows her. And about five minutes later, he gets, like, I guess he's like, ring, ring on the elevator. And so he has to go and work it, operate it. Goes back up to the 10th floor and she's like, That motherfucker wasn't there, you know. And it's not like the guy who she normally comes to see because he's always on time and shit. Mm -hmm. And so the bellhop's like, "Mm, That's weird. But she's going to 1026. Yeah. And then she's like, Well, maybe 1024. Like, maybe that was it. And there was a light on in there. So, she kind of, like, lingered a little bit. But then the guy goes back up to get her. Because, you know, I mean, she's like, I mean, she's got to make her money. So, yeah. like, she might be like me and numbers are not her friend. Mm-hmm. Me neither. True. Mm-hmm. So, the bellhop gets back up there and it's like, this lady again takes her down. She leaves. Well, about an hour later, she comes back with another man. They go up to the ninth floor and like at 4.15, he goes up to the ninth floor to get her and she leaves the hotel. Well, a little bit later, like, I mean, seriously, not long at all. That man that she was with, he had to go up to get him from the ninth floor, came down and was like, "Eh, I can't sleep. I'm going to go out for a while. Again, like, I feel like Richard Gere when he Mm -hmm. plays the piano, you know? Mm -hmm. And so Charles, Charles is the, like, bellhop at this point. It's not the other one. He's like, you know, maybe the man was just, like, kind of embarrassed because, like, one and one equals two. Like, Mm -hmm. okay, sure. So he's like, maybe, like, he's just awkward and didn't want, you know, I mean, like, hey, you just had sex, Mm eh, you know? So cut to the next morning. That is Friday the 4th at, like, 7 a.m. Delilah Ferguson, she is the switchboard manager. She's like, there is a fucking light blinking on the board, and it's 1046. So, the phone's off the hook or something. And, like, cannot happen. Would totally be me. Like, go find that person. Like, my switchboard needs to be perfect. So, she sent old Randolph, the original bellhop, Back up there and was like, all right, replace the phone because, you know, like, why would it be off the hook? Why would it be blinking? Like, replace it. And while she was doing this, she double checked and no calls had come in or out of 1046 that night before this. So it's like, why would it be off the hook? Mm-hmm. You
1: know? It's not like they were getting all of these calls and were like, right. just take the phone off the hook. Exactly. Plus, if they have a switchboard, they could probably just be like, don't allow calls.
0: Exactly. He could be like, my name's... Barney Rubble don't, you know, mm. they don't say that, then don't come through. Exactly, Nodding Hill. Thank you. When the bellhop gets up there to 1046, knocks on the door, and there's a do not disturb sign hung on the handle, but when he knocks, the voice says, come in. So he's like, okay. So he's turning it, and he's like, hmm, that's weird. It's locked from the Outside, you know. So, what's going on? Like he can't, you know, get in. He don't have the key, right? Okay. And he didn't get it. Yeah, when he came, like a pass key. Yeah, because like, why would he? You know, or like, why would he not have a fucking pass key? Who knows? Like maybe the blacksmith had to fucking make it, and it wasn't a buy one get one free. What the fuck is a pass key? Like a master key? Like a skeleton key? Yeah. Is that a thing, passkey? Well, that's what it is. These people called it. Oh, okay. So when he realizes, like, fuck, I can't get in because it's locked, he's like, well, shit. Well, about that time, he's like, let me knock again. Maybe he'll get up. Like, I don't know. He hears the voice say, turn the lights on. So he's like, what the fuck? Like, what? what? you know and so kind of in a confused way but then also like kind of like I don't know what the fuck you doing over there but but boy bye he just kind of yells and is like hey can you can you put the phone back on the hook thank you and he's like you know peace out 830 Delilah is like this bitch what is going on so she sends another bellhop up there Knocks on the door and it's unlocked. And so he lets himself in and there's Roland just starfished on the fucking bed, bare ass naked. What? Mm Mm-hmm. So the bellhop's like, all right, let me just kind of slink in here unnoticed and put the phone back on the hook. He... Suspected that Roland had been drinking, and that's why, like, mm-hmm. he was passed out like that or some of them, but we don't know that at all. So, fast forward to 1045, and Delilah is like, it's off the hook again in 1046. So, she sends the bellhop up there again. He knocked on the door, like, you know, just like he had before. And then he, like, stepped, he unlocked the door, stepped in, and everything was dark again. But then he was like, wait, skirt," Because he was quoted as saying, when I entered the room, this man was within two feet of the door on his knees and elbows, holding his head in his hand. I noticed blood on his hand, and then I turned the light on, placed the telephone receiver back on the hook, Looked around, saw blood on the walls, on the bed, and in the bathroom. This frightened me, and I immediately left the room and went downstairs.
1: Was he alive holding his head? Mm-hmm. How are you going to fucking just leave the poor man like that? Right. Pick the phone up and call Dolores. Delilah,
0: but yes. But I love how he was like, sorry, it's a little bloody, but uh, got to make sure Delilah's not mad at mm-hmm. me. hmm So he, you know, runs and they call the police and everything. So they arrive on the scene and also a doctor comes. Well, he looks rolling over and he says that his hands and ankles were tied together with the tight cord. And he said that that same cord had been used to strangle him. At some point, like, before it was a cord, like, wrapped around his legs and arms, like, you know, fucking multi-use over here. Roland also had a lot of bruises on his hands and then, like, some deep cuts. So, I mean, he's in bad fucking shape. And the detectives are doing what they need to do. And they're like, hey, do you remember who came in? Do you remember who did this? What happened? And Roland is in and out of consciousness, and he just kind of quietly told them, Nobody. What? Did it. Mm-hmm. He said that what happened was that he slipped and hit his head on the bathtub.
1: Mm hmm. Mm hmm. And the bathtub fucking hog tied your ass? No, exactly. it didn't. Exactly.
0: Like, what in the nightmare on Elm Street is going on? Mm hmm. So right after he's like, you know, like hit my head on the bathtub, it's all cool, he then slipped into being unconscious again. He's taken to a hospital, and so the detectives are like, all right, let's go check that room then. So when they get back to that room, it like really had no evidence, you know, and they were just kind of like going over again. And the doctor had said that all the blood that was dried everywhere and stuff, The act probably happened, like, seven hours before the police had been called or anything. And it could have been at a meeting around 3 to 4 a.m. The only clues that they could find were an unlit cigarette, a safety pin, and a hairpin, and a clothing label that's from a necktie, you know. And so, I mean, like, that was about it. Yeah, well, he had no luggage. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, and then there was an unopened bottle of diluted sulfuric acid. And in the sink, there was uh, cups that were glass that had been kind of like shattered. Mm -hmm. And they think that that might be why he had like cuts on his face and stuff. Mm -hmm. And the only thing that was like, okay, okay. But the technology wasn't there yet, I don't think. But it was, they had some fingerprints that was on the telephone. And there were like four small fingerprints. So it looked to be a woman's hand.
1: Well, that's back in the day too when they had to compare fingerprints. Like
0: Mm -hmm.
1: painstakingly, like one person flipping through. Yes. Well, old
0: Roland, you know, he's basically in a coma. He's not doing well though. And... Come to find out that his left lung had been punctured, and then one of the wounds on his chest was interfering, and so he, it was basically collapsing his lung. Mm. And at midnight, he passed away in that hospital. And with that, took a lot of those secrets and like things that could have helped with him. Like yeah. you know, there were no clues. Not like he was like ha 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 got one on yeah, you, but it's yeah, yeah. just like who Fuck. did this? Yeah. Well, on that Saturday, the Kansas City Journal Post, they ran the story about the hotel, the President Hotel mystery, front page and they just were trying to find out like does anyone know this person? Mm-hmm. Like cuz Roland T Owen wasn't his name. Right. But they didn't get any leads and on Monday, January 7th, they decided to do a public viewing of his body. Oh, shit. In hopes to have someone identify him. Well, within that week that he was basically on display for everyone, around 300 people came by, but, like, no one was really
1: able to help. Yeah, because they were all looky-loos. hmm Well,
0: detectives doing some detective work found out that he did stay at that other hotel And it was under the name of Eugene K. Scott. Again, from California. They, you know, beep, boop, 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 boop to the LAPD. But they're like, nope, we don't know that person, you know. So it's like, what the fuck? I mean, days, weeks turned into months. And they had nothing. They didn't even know who the victim was. Right. Right. And some people did reach out and they're like, hey, that's so-and-so, that's whatever, but like nothing ever panned out like that. And so by March, they had kind of decided, let's just bury him in an unmarked grave, Mm -hmm. you know, because what the hell? And there's this weird thing where the Rock Floral Company, they received this strange call and it was a man who ordered 13 roses and it was to be delivered during the service and he was like, I'm calling on behalf of my sister and I'll send $5 through, you know,
1: like basically PayPal, but like Western union. Yeah.
0: You know, and like some special delivery things to cover the cost, like whatevs." Well, when the flowers came, it had an envelope with it and handwriting and inside was the money, a small clip, of a card and, like, handwriting, and it said, Love Forever, Louise. Well, then, fast forward, and there's this one lady who is like, okay, no, 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 I know who this person is. And her name's Ruby Ogletree. And she's from Birmingham, Alabama. And her son was kind of going to go around the country and, you know, whatever. And she had been in contact with him regularly. But then kind of slowed because, I mean, he's doing stuff and, Mm -hmm. you know, all the things. Traveling the country before, you know, he was calling her all the time and stuff. But then he's doing his own thing. Doesn't call her every night. All of the things. In November of 1936, Ruby was shown an article and she was like, oh, fuck, this is my son. Like, he was beaten to death, basically, in this hotel room. She was able to tell how he got his scar, like Mm -hmm. all of the things. But as you say, here's the thing. Roland was described as being 20 to 35 years old, and Artemis was only 17
1: years old. What? Yeah. Well, 20 to 35 is quite an age range. It is. And, I mean, honestly, some 17-year-olds look 20. But not usually back then. Uh, Yeah, but... A twenty year old Sutton certainly does not look 35 though. Either. No. True. true so true. that's such a huge age span. Like Yeah. With as big of an age span as that is, it's reasonable to assume that he could have been seventeen.
0: True. See, this is why we have you, Carrie. Spitting that knowledge. So where he was buried, his name was changed from Roland T. Owen to Artemis Ogletree. But that's all they had to go on, and they had to kind of take her word for it because the body's been buried and stuff, so they'd have to exhume it, and, mm-hmm. like, who's got money for that? Not me. And Ruby, this Artemis's mother, you know, she had been writing with him and stuff. Well, he started typing letters to her afterward, and mm-hmm. it's like, why are you typing? Because, like, you have a hard enough time, like, reading and writing, like, but you're, like, typing up using fucking Grammarly,
1: Well, because somebody has already killed him and stolen his identity, and now Mm -hmm. they the ones, they got got.
0: Uh Uh-huh. And it's not all wrapped up in a pretty bow like yours is, because the mystery of the killing in room 1046 has never been solved. Well, that's fucked up. I I know. I'm so sorry. What the fuck? And they... (sighs) No one really has a good idea on what it is, but they said it could have been gang-related. And, like, he knew, like, someone would easily be able to take him out if he was on a side street or whatever. and Or, like, low, you know, so he
1: wanted to be up mm-hmm. high. So he knew he was in danger. But it's weird that he said that nobody did it to him. So is it because maybe it is, like, mafiosa type thing? You know what I mean? Yeah. Because it's th- 1936. Is it mm-hmm. something like that? And so he's like... Fucking, I'm not going out as a snitch. Right. But it's weird that there was like a, you said there was like a woman's fingerprints and stuff. Mm-hmm. And that there was like, the neighbor heard the talking. Yeah. So I almost wonder like, something you said, I can't even remember what it was, but something that you said made me go, oh, I got this figured out. This person has disassociative identity disorder, mm. which used to be known as multiple personalities. And... Some of the personality, like one of the personalities is a woman, maybe and one of the personalities is Dawn, maybe one of, you know what I mean? And so maybe the woman personality is who killed because I can't remember, but like, I think that like studies actually show on MRI, the the changes in the brain when they change, like what, as the personality switches to someone else. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know. Wow. I mean, I guess you couldn't change a woman's, to a woman's fingerprints, but also kind of how'd you know. Exactly. It's also, like, it's 1936. Like, you weren't that sophisticated with fingerprinting. Right.
0: Well, and also, so they say, like, the mafia related Mm -hmm. or whatever, but it could be a love affair. And Mm -hmm. they said it could be, like, him on a female, and she found out that female Mm -hmm. and was pissed. Or... It could have been like a lover meetup with him and Don because it's 1935.
1: And true, and so, you know, I mean, you couldn't just be. Yeah. And it's just so true. And because they were kind of arguing. So there's some tension because mm-hmm. he's like, no, I don't want to go out to eat. Just come here because I don't want to be seen. Yes. And
0: it could have been that that was his wife. And she found that he was cheating on her
1: with a guy or something. Mm-hmm. You know, like you never know. And then it was like. And he was not gonna say because one, he wants to protect his wife, because two, he also doesn't want his secret coming out. Exactly. Man, I just either way, someone feeling like they have to live a lie, they have to live this secret yeah aside from who they are, crushes my soul. Same. I cannot imagine living like that. No. And it I don't want that for anyone. And Me it either it just breaks my heart. Yeah.
0: I know I try to be so accepting and loving because I know others aren't. And mm-hmm. it's like, I just want them to know that there's someone out there. Right. And like, I, I think we try to do that with the podcast and yes, stuff too. Yes, absolutely.
1: You want to be that safe space for someone. Yeah. Because they maybe can't find it in who they should be able to find it in.
0: Yeah. That's another thing that I love about our group. I know we talk about it all the time, but we really are a creepster family mm-hmm. and- it helps me during the day
1: you know kind of along those lines of being who you are and if this guy whomever he was couldn't be who he is was wanted to be all the yeah. things because he was gay and he couldn't be because it was 1930 whatever and maybe there is someone listening right now who feels like they can't be who that they who they want to be and they're like god it's 2000 whatever year it is <laughs> 19 there is an APC LGBTQIA Facebook group that is also very supportive. and Yes. So if you want to join that, please do because it's a great safe space to ask questions. I and was about to say, like, even if you're an ally. And you don't understand something mm-hmm. or you're like, I need to know how to handle this situation or yeah. whatever, you know. Yeah. Join the group. Cause it's pretty amazing too.
0: Yeah. And like she said, it's safe to ask questions because these people know that you're coming from a place of love and like, you want to understand, you know, and Mm. it's not like, you know, you being a internet troll being like, what about this? (laughs) You know, it's like, no, like, Hey, I have a family member and I don't know how to approach this or Or, to let them know that it's okay. Or, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like whatever. Because words are fucking hard, Mm -hmm. especially when you're talking about this that might not be accepted in your family or whatever, you know what I mean? And you don't want to rock the boat and be like, I'm here for you, like, at the table or
1: whatever, you know what I mean? Anyway. That was a tangent, but if you want to join, join. Yes. If you don't, don't. Well, that was a good story, even though it didn't have a fucking ending. I know, I know. But it's just, like, one of those mysterious things,
0: like, which probably, you know, like, if it was now, it would have been solved.
1: But also, like, what are all those other players about? Like, what do they mean? Yeah, because it's, like,
0: that random guy who saw this guy running, like, halfway dressed mm-hmm. you know what i
1: mean not for the weather why is he running where's he going what's where do you just come from
0: yeah and like why did where did he take the taxi to or mm-hmm. why did he not know what a taxi look like like i don't know it was just like all of these things and then that lady that was beside roland heard arguing and everything yeah. from the man and the woman you, you know what i mean mm-hmm. like i don't know and it's just like what the fuck and he was, like, brutally attacked.
1: This is so crazy. Wow. Well, I did like the story. I just like a, like you said, a pretty little bow on the end. I don't mm-hmm. want to have to question. I know. But it's also really fun to question.
0: I know. Well, and we go off on tangents, and
1: it leads into... Who knows what. Yeah. Well, as always, let us know what y'all think about the episode, and what do you think happened mm-hmm. to Roland slash aristocrat or whatever his other name (laughs) was what was it artemis artemis whatever and remember creep it real and and don't don't get get scared. scared